the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Good morning, boys and girls. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. Uh, It's going to be a little fun episode here. It's just me on a Monday morning, an early Monday morning, as we start to deal with the after effects, well, not the after effects, actually, the effects of the coronavirus. Never done a podcast before with my iPhone in my house, but that's what I'm going to do right now. Actually, we're going to do this every Tuesday. The aggressive life reveals itself every single Tuesday. And uh, we may just do the coronavirus for the ongoing foreseeable future. I'm not sure I always do it in my house like this, but just with my schedule today, this is this is what I chose to do. So I posted some questions on Instagram. Got a lot of good information, good questions for me. I'm going to go through these. And let me just say this. Here, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I am not an expert. I am not an expert. I don't have any super secret insights to what the government is doing. I don't have... The, the, the head of the CDC on speed dial. I, I read the same exact news feeds you do. I have the, the same exact thoughts that many, many people do. I have the same challenges that many, many people do. So if you're looking for like the latest information on the coronavirus, I'm not your guy. If you're looking for somebody who's got a different perspective going through this, who lives his life aggressively, and that doesn't change, friends, when the coronavirus comes. If you're looking to hear what somebody who wants to alter his life to be in alignment with who God is, I'm your guy. Right there is kind of interesting. There's a lot of good things about the coronavirus. I know it sounds awful, but there are. There are some good things that are happening. But in the Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, God causes all things to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So there's some things that we're learning. There's some things that we are realizing coming out of this. One of the things that we're learning is, hey, man, it's a pretty aggressive play to have a, have a faith in God. It is. It used to be a passive play to have a, have a faith in God because everybody used to profess faith in God. But more and more people or saying they don't believe in God and have no faith at all. It actually are very, very antagonistic. Okay, great. That, that, if that's working for you, that's great. But I'll tell you what, when you're in a crisis, you love knowing there's a power that is beyond you. And when we're in this crisis, I'm finding that the gloves are coming off. So I don't like to lead with God talk. Aggressive Life is not a God talk podcast, but it's really hard to talk in a crisis without getting to the heart of who Jesus is, at the heart of possibly a plan that God might be working. So gloves are off, boys and girls. Hope you're ready for that. So here, here's some of my responses to these questions. I'm just going off of the hip. I just open up my Instagram thing. I'm taking a look at it. And uh, I've got a couple things to, to that I'm going to read for us today. But this is just one guy's perspective. Hopefully it helps you. Are you afraid of coronavirus? Just curious. No, personally, I have zero fear of the coronavirus. Zero fear. Um, Talk about the spiritual gloves coming off. When you come to know Christ, 
We have this really weak, mamby-pamby understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian is not believing things that are stupid and that science has disproved. Being a Christian is not reciting flowery things that make me feel good. That's not what being a Christian is. Being a follower of Christ is following in the footsteps of Christ. It's recognizing that all of my garbage is put on his back on the cross, so I'm never gonna have to pay for my garbage with God. And all of his goodness is put on my back, so when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ in me. And then the next step, when that amazing transfer happens, is Jesus tells me to pick up my cross and follow him daily. Picking up my cross is my means of execution. Jesus said, if you're gonna come after me, you gotta be ready to die at a moment, at a moment's notice. So I died a long time ago, friends. If I die of the coronavirus, I'm good with that. I wouldn't be good to be coughing myself to death over some period of time. Jack Daniels can solve that, I hope. But no, I'm not, I'm not fearful about the coronavirus at all. The statistics still are incredibly slim that you will get the coronavirus. Even if you get the coronavirus, the statistics are incredibly slim that you will manifest systems and even less still that you will actually die. What we're trying to do as a culture is protect other people who may be weaker from getting the virus. And we don't even know who, who's weaker. It could be a 65-year-old. It could be a 35-year-old. We don't know that. But no, I, am, uh, I have zero fear over, over the coronavirus, but I'm also not deluded. I'm just as able to get it as anybody else, especially being 54. I'm in a risk group because I'm a little older. And I touch more people than anybody. I'm a pastor of a freaking mega church where everyone wants to touch me and hug me. <laughs> I'm around a lot. I'm around a lot more people than normal normal folks are. So I am incredibly high risk, and I have I, I have no fear on this one whatsoever. As someone who thrives on human interaction, how to deal with isolation? This is Monday morning, and I tell you what I would do if I was in leadership of our entire country. If I was the government. I would do exactly what they're doing right now, which is gradually pressurizing us, acclimating us to stringent, more and more stringent, difficult things. I am anticipating there to be severe lockdowns. Everything will be shut down in society. I'm predicting, what is this, Monday? I don't know. I'm going to say Wednesday. Again, one guy's opinion could be wrong. And this question is really important. Because if you're only about fearing for your physical health, you will always isolate yourself. And I'm going to be one guy who's just going to say, your physical health is important. Because actually, if we die, <laughs> nothing else matters on earth. Our, our run's done. So I'm, I'm pro-physical health. But I'm also pro-spiritual health. I'm pro-mental health. I'm pro-relational health. And if your spiritual, mental, and relational health isn't right, your physical health will not be right. Science has been abundantly clear on this, that we need human interaction. In fact, we take a look at all the um, mass murderers, the active shooters, again and again and again, they were isolated people. So we're going to have to figure out, you're going to have to figure out how to be safe physically without isolating yourself. Personally, I'm not going to isolate myself from people. Um, I've got some people coming over to the house tonight, Monday night. We have a group we get together and encourage each other with. I'm, I'm going to be hanging out with them. I'm going to be hanging out with my family. If someone wants me to hug them, I'm going to give them a hug. He says, aren't you concerned about the virus spreading? Yeah, but I'm also concerned about people not feeling loved. That's the aggressive move. The passive move is to do what everyone says. 
the aggressive move is to say, how can I love somebody? How can I help somebody? And if someone's up for a hug from me, I'm, I'm going to give them a hug. Uh, another question, is it stupid to be angry that I can't go out and do things? I, I, would, I wouldn't say it's, it's stupid. None of, none of us like our life being impinged on. Nobody does. But who says you can't go out and do things? If something is closed, you can't go and do something. But you, you can do things. I, uh, I ran across this C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis was a uh, previous agnostic who became a Christian. He taught at Oxford University. He wrote um, uh, the Narnia Chronicles, um, a bunch of really, really great stuff. And he lived in the atomic age. He fought in World War I. World War II comes along. People freaked out about the atomic bomb and all that stuff. And, and they thought the world was going to end. And I think... If you read this, every time you hear atomic bomb, just insert pandemic. Here's what he says. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you already are living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Dag, let me have C.S. Lewis on the aggressive life. That is the attitude we all need to have. So, yes, we can be angry or frustrated that certain things are shut down. Some of us might, might agree that things should be shut down. We might disagree that things be shut down. But the bottom line is they're shut down. But I'm just one guy saying, man, if you, if, you, if you go atomic age and put yourself under your desk, you are not going to be healthy at all. You need to be around people. You need to be laughing with people. You need to be having some beers with people if you do beer. You need to be having some cigars with people. You need to be taking walks with people. We need people. That has to happen. Um, how do you explain this to young kids? I don't think kids need to know everything. Yeah, believe it or not, they don't need to know everything. And in case you don't realize it, kids don't know everything. 
our parenting discipline will be a lot easier if we recognize that kids don't know everything and they don't need to know everything. Sometimes kids need to know, because I freaking said so, that's why. So I would just say to your kids, hey, look, there's germs, and there's a lot of germs different places right now, and we're not sure exactly where those germs are, and so we're just going to stay around here for a while. I'd make it as simple as that. How do I keep kids alive without losing my sanity? Well, the good news is your kids are going to live. Those, those little rat rugs, rug rats, are got cells that are replicating way, way faster than yours. Um, kids are going to live, period. Us losing our sanity, we start losing our sanity if we have unrealistic fears like thinking our kids are going to die. They're not going to die. Just go about your life, live your life, enjoy your life, go outside and garden, go out, take a walk, do whatever you need to do, um, and don't think about keeping your kids alive. Your kids are going to be alive. Do not listen to fear mongers. Your kids, let me say, your kids are going to be alive. All right, how do I know where to draw the line between preparing and hoarding? I am not a prepper. I am not. I am prepared on a number of levels. By the way, you do not want to break into my house. Hint, hint, don't want to do that. But while I'm not a classic prepper, I am prepared. And one of the reasons I'm prepared is because I want to help people. I want to help people. I made another run to Kroger yesterday. I got another uh, dozen eggs or something like that. And one of the reasons I am is I just sent out an email to everybody in my neighborhood, 25 houses in my neighborhood. I said, hey, if anybody runs short on anything or anybody needs any help, please talk to me. I got you covered. I got, I got plenty to share. I think you know that you're hoarding when you're not willing to share. I think you know that you're hoarding when you're more concerned about yourself than you are to others. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So I'm as concerned about my neighbor's welfare as I am for mine. And so long as you're concerned about that, making plans for that, you're probably not in a, in, in a, in a hoarding problem. Preppers tend to be very selfish. They tend to think only about themselves and their own family. And God's given me a much bigger vision than me and my own family. How can we support small businesses, especially bars and restaurants? Well, we can't support them, no, at least not in the Cincinnati area because they're all shut down. But you can do takeout. You can do takeout. I've had a lot of people asking me and telling me, hey, I lead this thing called Crossroads. It's a pretty sizable church. And everyone's got their ideas of, hey, how can we do this? Hey, hey, could Crossroads take up this? Hey, what if Crossroads do our special outreach for bar workers? Hey, what hey, what And Crossroads, to be very clear, is weighing in and is going to weigh in in more significant ways. That's for sure. History shows that, and you should know that. But my thing is, hey, man, that's a great idea. Why don't you go find some people to serve? Why don't you find some people to serve? You have to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you know people who own businesses who are hurting, give them some food. If you know people who are servers, as is my future son-in-law, I just got engaged to my, my daughter, and he's a server, and he's out of work, I'm going to help him, and his family is going to help them. Uh, we, we can't, we, we've got to help the people we know, not just hope for, for some governmental program to come in. So give somebody a gift card to a grocery store. I think that's the best way to help somebody. Uh, would you travel on a plane for spring break? 
Hell no, I would not travel on a plane for spring break. No, 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 I would not. Uh, number one, I don't even know if you're going to be able to do that plane-wise anyway. Number two, not that I'm afraid of getting coronavirus on the plane, though. If, if I was to start being afraid about the coronavirus, a plane would be a good place to start. A tube filled with germs and demons. Oh, man, good fun. But no, I, I wouldn't go any place that I couldn't get my car and drive because I don't want to be quarantined someplace. I don't want all, all of a sudden that place to be on lockdown. So there is no way right now I would get on a plane and I would go any place because I would lose control unless I was very confident that I could also rent a car there and drive home. Uh, they said, hey, any Bible verses that you can, you can recommend to memorize? Here's one, Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work for good for those who love him and are called, and called according to his purpose. God, God causes all things to work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he does cause all things to work for good. And we're seeing some good that's coming out of this. But the, that verse specifically says, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you have an aggressive love for God, if you feel like he has enlisted you and doing things in this world, there is nothing he's going to waste in your life. God never wastes anything. So God is going to do something in you and use you here in this time in which you might not have previously felt used in your normal life. This is gonna be, dude, this is gonna be incredibly invigorating. Really, really invigorating. Get your mind off of the fear bus and get your mind on the opportunity. I was just reading in my time with God this morning, actually just before I got onto this. By the way, there's an app called the Crossroads app. Every day there's a chapter of the Bible. You can go to that app and um, read other comments, and you can actually follow people. You can follow me on that app probably five days out of seven. I have my own personal journal and a reflection of some verse that comes to me or that hits me uniquely in that, in that chapter. Today, the verse that really hit me and I, and I journaled on was when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. Harvest is plentiful, workers are few. Let me tell you something. If you're a person of faith, even if you're not a person of faith, right now, there's shit to get done in this world. There's stuff that only you can do. There is stuff that you can step into. The har harvest is massive, friends, massive. Unfortunately, the workers are few. The hoarders are few. The hoarders are many. The preppers are many. The quarantiners are many. The isolators are many. But the workers are few. We need to get out and work. We need to bless our neighbor. We need to help our neighbor. We need to do whatever we can to help people. That's what God is doing in your life and in this crisis. Every great person of the faith that you know is great because of the crisis they went through. And they didn't just survive the crisis, they ministered in the crisis, they blessed in the crisis, they laughed in the crisis. Get out, get out of your comfort buzz, bubble and be aggressive and try to help some people. In the process, you're going to find that you have helped yourself. Uh, is this it? Is Christ coming? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
I know that every day we go further is another day closer to the fulfillment of all things and the second coming of Christ and the final judgment. Yes, these are very weighty theological concepts that normally aren't right for the aggressive life, but feels right today. <laughs> yes, it does. You know, when you find yourself in a very hairy situation, your faith becomes very clear to you. Most of us, we've never been in a hairy situation. We're, we've been disillusioned. Disillusionment is good. Disillusion is when you dis your illusions. It is an illusion to think that my life is going to be comfortable. I think about this. My life, what's been happening in my life in the last few decades is ridiculous. I've lived in the most comfortable era in human history. It is utterly crazy. So could this be, could this be, this is the end times of Christ coming? I should be living like it. That also includes having a good time, as the C.S. Lewis quote was before earlier. But it also could be, no, this is just normal life for everybody. And I'm finally enjoying normal life because the life I've been living before, being able to stay inside my house, buy whatever the hell I want to have to buy, gets delivered to my house. I, I, I pay people to do whatever I want them to do for me. If it's my landscape, I don't actually don't pay for someone to do my landscaping, but I could do that. I, I it, we, we live a completely unrealistic life, friends. That's the truth. The realistic thing is what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, let's talk about plagues. If you've heard me preach over the last several years at Crossroads, you've heard me say a number of times. I said, we're way overdue for a plague, like way overdue. I quote the verse from Jesus who says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Worry about the trouble you have today. So don't worry about not having food tomorrow. Buy some food, that's fine. But worry if today you don't have enough food. But I've said multiple times, we're way overdue for a pandemic. And when I say that, people get really upset. What are you doing being negative? Oh, it's like you're speaking a curse over me. I don't like, I don't come to church to hear these things. I'm not speaking a curse over you. I'm just telling you history. That's the way it is. The Black Plague, 200 million people. That was in the Middle Ages, 200 million people. Smallpox, 56 million people in 1520. What does that, what's that look like? That looks like 30 to 50% of Europe's population was wiped out from the Black Plague. It took more than 200 years for them to rebuild the continent's population. The smallpox that took place. 90% of all Native Americans were wiped out and eliminated. Friends, geez, that is intense. Now, I'm hoping we're not going to see that because we have an understanding of medicine that those people did not have, which, by the way, is why all the precautions. For those of you who just are so upset that these precautions are coming or my life's being impinged on or this or that, I, I don't know that I would be doing all the precautions that are here, but I know this. No leader wants this happening on his watch or her watch. Nobody does. So they're going to be playing the, the conservative card again and again. They're trying to keep a legitimate plague from happening. They're trying to keep actually from what happening here, what's already happened and is happening in Italy. If you want an interesting read, go to Newsweek. Just Google Newsweek Dr. Plague, something like that. There's a, there's a doctor from 
Italy who talks about us as Americans, how we think we're so immune. He said, she says, you Americans watching you is like watching a horror movie and trying to scream at the screen saying, don't separate and one of you go into the dark, dark basement. Don't do it. Because she saw how we were acting. said, you're not taking us seriously enough. So I, I, I'm glad we're taking it seriously. And if I was a leader, if I was in charge, I'd probably be doing everything that's happening right now because the responsibility is for your people and to save lives, not the responsibility to keep our normal life going because our normal life is not normal. So welcome to the rest of world history, friends. This is it. Our balloon has been popped and I'm glad it has because actually the more we've had a balloon, the more we've had a delusion about our existence. That's why faith has been dropping off. Ideas of just philosophizing about faith and stuff, those are only afforded to us when life is so comfy cozy that we can afford the time to be a protagonist or a progressive or a whatever. Um, I, for one, think that's one of the positive things that's coming out of this crisis is it's driving us to God, driving us to God. And people who've had awful, awful crises have not always run away from God. Today, only us in our weak America are we running away from God when we have a crisis. In all world history, when there's a crisis, we ran to God, but we're actually pretty weak. So we have to blame somebody for something because we can't take our life being any different. And so we, we run away from them. Let's clue into this on a blog I read regularly, monthly. It's a friend of mine, actually a close friend of my daughter's who's a quadriplegic. Ryan Atkins is his name. And uh, this guy was just, just, uh, man, he was a, was a physical stud. He is a stud right now, but he was a physical stud. Just bright, bright future ahead of him. And uh, he overcorrects on a highway with his car, and he has uh, been a quadriplegic for life. Incredibly strong man, incredibly godly man. I read everything that he writes. And he just had a great, a great blog on how our perspective gets sharpened. So if we think something is going to be happening to our body, God promises us if you get to heaven to get a new body. If we think we're going to lose our home, God tells us he's got a home he's preparing for us right now in heaven. It's, it's very clear. You could just uh, just Google Ryan Atkins, A-T-K-I-N-S. All right, where am I? So you got to be, I, I, I got nobody else in the studio. It's me in my bathrobe, hyper early in the morning with my iPhone. I think, I, I'm, I'm swearing left and right. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, when crisis happens, glove comes off. So sorry if your kids were listening to this podcast. This is not a church service. This is called the aggressive life. Get over it. Okay, just a couple more here. Teach me how to deal with fear and anxiety and a lack of routine. Yeah, that's good. One of the ways that we stay out of fear and anxiety is by having a routine. And now all of our routines are broken. So the best thing to do when your routine's been broken is start a new routine. This is the first day for the rest of your life. Start a new routine. If you're a person who wants to meditate or pray or read the Bible in the morning, but you never you rarely do because you get out the door. Well, guess what? Now you have no excuse because every morning you can have a routine of having time with God. Start a routine. Start a routine of, uh, of push-ups. 
man, if you wanna get in great shape, hey, now's the time to get in shape because <laughs> food might be harder to come by or you need to preserve your food. And you got, you got time to take walks. You got time to do P90X. You got time to do push-ups. Start, start a routine there. Start a routine, and, and I mean clock it out in your day. It's first thing in the morning, I'm gonna have time with God. It's the next thing in, in, my, in my day. I'm going to do some physical activity. Oh, now it's 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock is when I read a book for two hours. Oh, it's one o'clock. One o'clock is the time when I, when I call my neighbors and see if they're, how they're doing, if they need any help. Oh, it's now four o'clock. Make your own routine. When we're not doing something, that's when fear comes over us. The Bible says, pray at all times without ceasing. People say, well, how do you pray at all times without ceasing? Well, you can do that if you understand how to worry. Because worrying is when you do it at all times without ceasing. Every spare minute when you're, not, when you're not thinking about something, you're worrying. That's what happens when you pray. You just continue to keep something on your mind. And the thing that keeps us away from prayer is a routine to pray. And the thing that keeps us away from holistic fearlessness is an overall routine in our life. So yeah, start some new routines. That's a very good, insightful question. Uh, what do you believe God is trying to tell us? I think he's trying to tell us you, you hold your way of life too tightly. You feel too entitled to life being the way you want it to be. I, I think that's what he's, he's trying to tell us. I've had some questions on here with I'm struggling with my child isn't going to be able to go to graduation or my, my, my this or I'm not going to be able to do that. Just understand these are not struggles. These are, these are just struggles that we're not getting our way. These are struggles that I'm not doing what I want to do. And I think that that's what God is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us that. I have a pool that I've been saving for for years and years and years, and I just pulled the trigger on putting in this pool. Now, the backhoe isn't here yet. They're not, they're not, they're not doing it. They're not, they're, not, they're not digging yet. But I'm not sure if I'm going to do the pool or not. I don't. But I know one thing is for certain. I don't feel robbed or angry that all of a sudden I might not be able to do it because I hold my plans lightly. God says in, in the book of James, I'm just reciting these off the top of, my, top of my mind here, that we're like a wisp of wind. We're like, we're, we're like ocean spray. We're here and then we're gone. So, and there's things that are blowing us to and fro. My plans can be evaporated at a moment's notice. That's God's prerogative. He can do whatever he wants. And I think God is trying to tell us that. I think he's trying to tell us, let's get on his page. Let's get off the dream of the perfectly sane, ordered American life and my plan that I've had in place for decades and see that there's a different place. And, and again, I'm not saying that life is going to permanently change. We're going to get through this. We're go this is going to end. Is it going to end in a week? Is it going to end in three months? Is it going to be a year? I don't, I don't know when it is. It, it is going to end, and we will get out of crisis mode, and the stock market will rebound, rebound and we will get back to, a, to, to normalcy. That will happen. I hope that when that does happen, we'll be more spiritually mature, and we will be less anchored to our values versus the values of God. We'll be less anchored to the way I see the world versus the way that God sees the world. Here's, here's another one. I know God is in control. I struggle most with what will God allow? Yeah. You know, how, how you see the world makes a big difference about how you live in the world in this time. 
God has created this world with free will. There are things that God steps in and he manhandles, or, or actually he God handles. <laughs> there are things that God steps in and he forces. There are things that God knows that in the grand macro span of eternity, he is going to make sure this thing happens. But God gives us free will and he has given a world that has free agents. These viruses, these germs, these microbes, you take a look at them under a, under a microscope and you see them like going everywhere in the Petri dish. God isn't moving all those suckers with his hand. Those things are operating in a free will culture and they're floating around. So God will allow just about anything. And there has been awful pain and disaster that have happened that great godly people have had to experience. And I know that God is a protector. I know that he is a shield to me. Psalm 91 is a great, I just read it this morning. If you want to read something that's encouragement and God is a shield, Psalm 91 is a great one. I, I love that psalm. So I do believe there's an X factor of God protecting us from things. And we don't know how many, how many microbes God's wiped out before this one. God might have looked at that black plague way back in Europe. He might have said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be a little more prescriptive on this. I'm not going to let another one of those happen, like ever maybe. We haven't had one since. So before we start being upset that God is allowing this to happen, I'm thanking God that we haven't had something worse happen up to now. We don't know what God's going to allow and what he's going to allow free will to happen. We just need to recognize we live in a danger zone. We live in a war zone. There is a cosmic fight between good and evil. And if I was living on the beaches in France around the year, well, I don't know what it was, 44, something like that, and all of a sudden there was bombs being shaking my little chateau, I would say, what the, what the heck is going on here? I'm here on vacation. But then if I realize, oh, hold on, World War II is going right now, and this is the beaches of Normandy, I can't be surprised when there are bombs that are going off. We're in the middle of a cosmic battle that happens. And when there is bombs, there is shrapnel. We don't like it. We pray that God shields us from it. We take precautions, but we can't be have our faith be shaken. We're in a battle zone right now. If you believe that this world is all there is and everything is going to be happy and comforting, Dory, if we can just get the right insurance policies, you, my friend, are deluded. You are deluded. There's no number of insurance policies, no amount of savings that completely shield us from stuff that could go wrong. The aggressive life is about realizing that, and I can aggressively still enjoy my life. All right. I'm about done here. Uh, a couple a couple of little quick ones. Hey, I need your Brussels sprouts recipe. It's the only vegetable that hasn't been touched at Kroger. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. Okay, olive oil and lemon juice. Marinate it. Marinate it for a while. And then, then when you, when you bring it out, make sure you char it on a cast iron griddle. Cast iron. You want that sucker to be really, really hot and char them. Just all the way up like black char. You get it all crackly. Don't even worry about them being cooked all the way through. Just char them. Take a while. Put them on your plate. Before you put them on the plate, take fresh lemon juice if you can get lemons. Hey, when life gives you lemons, make lemonades. Yeah, take, take lemon. Here's another thing. Oh, my goodness. All the cheesy sayings that we've said for a long, long time, those cheesy sayings don't work. Hey, good stuff's right around the corner. God's ready to bless your life. Man, 
Could we recognize that so much of our theology has been weak and anemic and not ready for this? Nonetheless, that's my recipe for Brussels sprouts. It's great. Okay, hey, this is the first aggressive life recorded here in my own house with my own iPhone, here in my own little sitting room, here with my own little bathrobe on. The, the day's starting to get young. It's coming up on coming up on 9 a.m., chop, chop, I gotta go, I gotta go out and do my job, you do too, keep your head up, friends, you and I are going to get through this, we're going to look back on this time as a positive time when we got formed, when we had our illusions dissed, when things got broken in us, we got our priorities in line, we're gonna have memories for this and about this for a long, long time, so as I've said again, I'll say it uh, right now, live your life aggressively. Grab this crisis by the throat. You only get to do this once, and we're gonna do it together here on The Aggressive Life. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.